Well, good morning, Southridge, the early bunch. Good to see you guys. I want to welcome you. I'm Pastor Troy. If you're here for the very first time, we think you're at the right place. We think God has a great plan for your life. He's uh, very interested in who you are, where you're at, on your spiritual journey. And so hopefully today, part, part of that story will come alive in you. That's, that's my prayer. That's our prayer, that you would connect in some way with what's happening as we're talking. Um, I was praying this morning, and I just, I just had this overwhelming sense that uh, God is, is bringing some of us, and maybe all of us, to this whole new idea in Christ, which is very exciting, just trying to understand what that, what is that? What's that mean? You know, sometimes I don't think we even understand where God wants to take us because we don't really have in our minds what that looks like. But yet we can just sense something. You can go, you know what? God has something different for me. God has something better for me. God has something bigger for me. Whatever it might be, you just sense that in your heart. And I think, this is my, my thought, is that's the Spirit of God. He stirs that in us. He stirs, you know, one of the things that I think sometimes we miss is that God actually stirs ambition in us. And a lot of times we, we equate ambition with something that's bad. But God stirs spiritual ambition at the same time. He, he stirs that in us. And so I, could, I just kind of sense that, that he's stirring that spiritual ambition. Now, if you're on the fast, how many of you still, still doing the hanging with the fast? Come on. All right. It's, how many of you, are you hungry today? It's all right. All right, if you're hungry, that's okay, you know, and I was thinking about it this way for our fasting, uh, and by the way, if you haven't been here, we're, we're one week into 21 days of fasting and prayer, you can pick a different type of fast, there's all kinds of fasts you can do, I, I personally am doing a Daniel's fast, which is no meat, no sugars, no breads, no dairy, that kind of thing, and, uh, and, and, and I love, you know, just famous Daves, and, you know, all that kind of stuff, so, you know, it's, you know, but... Here's, here's what I think is important because I think sometimes we get lost in the whole idea of fasting because we think that somehow it's a diet. It's not a diet. What it is, is I am actually causing myself to step back away from the normal comforts of life so I can get a hold of something spiritually that God will have me to have. And so really what I'm doing is I'm letting go of a control of one area so I can give more control to God. Sometimes it comes in a form of breakthrough, meaning I have this breakthrough in my, my perceptions or I have a breakthrough in my spiritual heart and all these kind of things. Sometimes it comes in the form of an answer to prayer. And I would challenge you. Here's my challenge. If you're doing the fast and you're praying, that you would actually say, God, this is what I'm hoping is going to happen. Now that we've been a week into it, Lord, I hope this is going to happen. Lord, I need a refreshing. Lord, I, I need an answer to this question. Could you give me some perspective here? Lord, there's, there, here's an area of my life that I've struggled with. Would you help me to have a sense that finally I'm over the hump in this area? Would you just help me in this area? I mean, pick something that you can say, Lord, this is why I'm fasting, not just I'm fasting. I think that's important. So just want to encourage you to do that. So let's pray. Lord, I thank you today for what you're doing at Southridge. God, just that, that holy anticipation that ambition that comes from the Spirit of God that says, Lord, we're not done yet. You still want to do something great in us. So, Lord, let us be open to that today. Let us open our hearts and our minds and our spirits to whatever you want to do. Lord, let it be so. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, we're in week 
three of our series on, on move. We're talking about how can we move forward on the journey, our spiritual journey. And really what we've been doing is we've been asking a question. And the question goes something like this. Where am I on my spiritual journey? And how can I begin to move forward to a new destination? That's the question we're asking. We're trying to figure out where am I at? And so the, in, the, in the first week, we kind of kicked it off with the question, that first part, where am I at on my spiritual journey? At some point in all of our lives, we need to say, where am I at? You know, what's, what's going on? Who, who am I and where am I going? What's going on in my life? And just ask that question. And so we asked the question, and we kind of came up with a few answers based on related or related to our spiritual journey. I mean, and maybe you find yourself in here and you could see yourself where you're at. And, and it's a little tricky at times because it kind of gets a little gray and gets a little blurry. But, but maybe you're in that exploring Christ and you're on the verge of something great in a relationship with God. You don't, you don't even really know what it is. And I was thinking about it as I was preparing the message for this week. You might have that sense in your spiritual journey that you're just kind of wrestling. You're, you're, you're wrestling with the ideas, you're wrestling with faith, you're wrestling with whether or not I'm going to really trust God, you're wrestling with that. And really what that is, is you're exploring the idea that Christ could be exactly what you need. And so that's a great place to be, and that, maybe that's where you're at on the journey, that you're exploring this idea, you're on the verge, and you're like, yeah, and I hope that slowly or maybe quickly today, you say, you know what, I'm going to step over that line. I'm going to be in a different place with God. Instead of just being on the verge, I want to be in this next area or category that I've crossed the line of trust, and now I'm beginning to grow in this personal relationship with Jesus. That all of a sudden now I've crossed this line of faith. Because the line is, is a decision of faith. I, I choose to trust you. And I step across that line. And what happens then is faith collides with grace. And when faith collides with grace, life comes. And all of a sudden now I have this life. I have this relationship with Jesus. So the obvious answer then or question comes, well, how do I grow in this relationship? How do I, as like a marriage, you know, I made the commitment to be married. Now I got to learn how to be married. And so that's what's happened for a lot of us. We're in that place where we're trying to figure out what's it mean, how how's it work, and, and it becomes more and more a part of my regular routine. And, and so I'm guided by some of the personal decisions, and it's affecting me in different ways. And maybe that's where you're at. You're growing in Christ. Or, or maybe you've move past the growing, and all of us are still growing all the time, but now it's becoming a daily pursuit, and you are close in a relationship with Jesus. It's not, I just began a relationship, and I'm trying to figure out what it is. Now I'm close to him, and so where am I, I, where am I on the journey? I'm right next to Jesus. I mean, where he goes, I go. What he's doing, I'm going to try to do too. I mean, he's guiding my 24-7 life. I mean, it just, it's just part of who I am. I mean, if you try, if I, my identity, and here's what happens when you get to that place. It isn't my identity, it's his identity and who I am in relationship to him. Because I'm beginning to grow and mature, and so it's becoming this daily, close-knit, tight relationship that's developing, and, and it becomes a lot stronger and stronger every day. Maybe that's where you're at on the journey. Or maybe, maybe the, the final goal of, for all of us is that you've surrendered everything. That's a scary thought, isn't it? I mean, everything. Everything. Pocketbook, relationships, house, future, kids, marriage, family. I mean, you name it. I've given it all to God. 
and I'm totally surrendered. And if that's you, then where you're at on the journey is you're in this Christ-centered place. And what that means is simply this, is that every decision, every movement, every word, everything that I'm doing is not for me, it's for him. I mean, I've, I've literally stepped out of the picture and pushed Christ to the forefront of the picture, and it's all about him now. I'm totally surrendered. Now, I mean, obviously, when we listen to those, we realize, okay, I see where I'm at. I'm on the verge, or I'm in a personal relationship, and it's starting to grow, or I'm daily doing this. I haven't yet surrendered all, but I'm getting there. And so hopefully you can kind of see yourself. So that's the first part of the question. Then the second part of the question is asking, how do you do it? How, how, how do I move forward to a new spiritual destination? How do I move in this journey? I mean, if that's where I'm at, if I'm on the verge, how do I move from the verge to a personal relationship? How do I move from a personal relationship to being a daily, close, intimate thing? How do I move through this close, intimate thing where it's all his? I mean, every, how do I do that? And so that's what we're answering today and even last week. And so last week, we started that how do we do this journey thing, and we explored one idea, and it was the importance of reflecting on God's word. Importance of, how many of you did that this week? Good, good. I mean, you, you know, five minutes, ten minutes, you know, what, you know, you just did that. And because we start to realize that when we do that, all of a sudden, the things that God wants to do in us begin to come alive. And, and so what we studied last week, and we realized that as we reflect on God's word, it makes us, it does two things. It makes us ready to move. In other words, it, it, it fills the car, it, it puts air, air in the tires, it makes sure all the fluids are good. It gets me ready to at least begin to move forward. And in, in, in my thinking and being corrected and all these different things, it makes me ready. And then the second thing that it does is it washes or removes all the junk out of the road. You know, I think, what are you talking about? And I'm talking about the stuff in our heads. And so what happens then is we have this process that takes place as I open up God's word and I begin to look at it and it reflects into my heart and into my life because it's powerful, because it's breathed by God, it's able to actively work on my spirit by faith, that when that happens, it begins to remove obstacles out of the path so I can move forward. It's the debris or the junk and the crazy thinking that a lot of us have, and it's so the renewing of our minds. And so that's what we looked at last week. And so this week, we're going to continue to go back to the same text that we've started off with every week. It's in Philippians chapter 3, verse 12 through 13, and it's the Apostle Paul speaking, and, 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 he's, and he's speaking to a group of people that are trying to figure out how to have a really intimate relationship with Jesus in the midst of everything that's going on in life. Sound familiar? Right? Trying to figure out what's it take to have this incredible relationship with God in the midst of all the crazy that goes on around me. And what's it take for me to move forward? I mean, so I don't just stall out and get stagnant in my journey. What's it take? And so that's kind of the context of what's going on here. So it says in Philippians chapter 3, Paul, the apostle speaking, he's, he's trying to encourage these guys. He says, and he says, I don't mean to say that I've already achieved these things. This humble statement. I, I'm, I'm not there yet. I mean, I'm like this amazing, he, and you've got to realize who Paul is. He's like the spiritual leader of spiritual leaders. 
He's like the big guy on campus. He knows a lot about a lot of stuff spiritually. He's experienced all these things. And this is what he says. I don't mean to say that I've already achieved it, these things, or that I've already reached perfection. In other words, there's still things for me to learn. There's still movement that needs to happen on my journey. There's still things that have to take place in my own spirit. That's the apostle Paul speaking. And he says, but I press on to possess that perfection. We'll come back to that one phrase, to possess that perfection. That's how do I do that? For which Christ Jesus first possessed for me. And by the way, the answer to that is like, what in the world does that mean? It means the cross. It means when Jesus stepped into humanity and he paid my price on the cross for me, he paved a way. And when he was risen from the dead, he paved a way, a pathway for me to go on. So he possessed this. He grabbed a hold of this for me. In other words, he made a way. Goes on. He says, no, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus on one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. And I press on to, I, I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. Now, there's all kinds of stuff in there. What I, you know what I've realized is that I've been reading this same portion of text now for probably about six weeks. And every time I read it, I see something different. Every time I read it, I'm like, wow, check that out. Man, that's amazing. And, and so there's just these observations. And by the way, when you're reading Scripture on your own, I encourage you just to ask the simple question, God, what are you saying? What are you, what are you saying to me? What's, what's this text speak to me? What's it, what's, it, what's it saying to me? I mean, what can I learn from this? What can I apply to my life? I mean, here, here's three things that, I, that jumped out at me this week from the text. And the first one is this. Is that arrogance is a spiritual or, or is an accident waiting to happen? Arrogance is an accident waiting to happen. And I, I thought about this way. You know what? Paul, this great apostle, you know what he's doing? He's saying, you know what? I know that arrogance is only going to lead to problems, but humility allows me to move forward. And so I'm going to come to you and point blank admit right up front, hey, I'm not there yet. I've got some growing to do. I've got some things that yet need to take place in my life. I'm not all that in the bag of chips. I still have some things that need to take place in my life. And so he's willing to say that because the moment I start to think that I've arrived is the moment that we're most likely to end up in the ditch spiritually. The moment that all of a sudden I say, I, I, I know enough. I've grown enough. I, I've journeyed this path now. You know, I, oh, I learned that a long time ago. The moment I start having that kind of an attitude, the moment I start having this arrogant attitude is the moment that I slip into this really dangerous place spiritually that I could easily find myself in a ditch, stranded. And so the Proverbs, you know, it says, I don't mean to say I've already achieved it. Proverbs 16, 18 says, pride goes before destruction. And haughtiness, another form of saying arrogance, goes before a fall. I thought about this week. How many of you watched any of the Lance Armstrong fiasco this week? I thought, you know what, I'm going to watch some of this and just see what he, you know, what he has to say, you know. And as I'm listening to him, I'm realizing that this man's life is really puffed up to the point where he can't even see all the things that are wrong about where he's at. I mean, even when he's trying to confess the things that he's done wrong, he can't even do that. I'm thinking, what's going on here? And really what it was is the arrogance that was part of who he was as a person was leading to this train wreck of a life. 
that we are all watching. We're all watching the story going, man, what in the world is going on? Can't you just come clean? I mean, can't you, can't you have any remorse? Can't you, I mean, what's going on with you? It's arrogance. It's, it's that self-puffing up that somehow it's, it's, it just doesn't make any sense, and so it's a train wreck. Second, second observation I noticed from the text today is that no effort means I'm going nowhere. No effort means I'm going nowhere. I press on to reach the end of the race. And see, Paul describes our spiritual journey like a race. And the simple truth, here's the simple truth, running takes effort. <laughs> right? I mean, it's like, wait a minute, wait a minute. He's talking about a race, and you're like, oh, well, you know, we got our feet kicked up on the, on the end table, like, yeah, run, run, run. No, you, you have to do something. You know, there, there has to be effort. There has to be a pressing on. There has to be something that actively is taking place in my life. And so what he's saying is that I am not going to sit back and hope it happens. I'm not, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to engage myself in the process that God has already started in me. I want to be a part of that. And so he's pushing forward. He's pressing on, and, and he's active. See, and if I'm going to move forward, I have to start moving. Little investment means little growth. So we have to be willing to push forward. Third, third observation, and this one's huge, and I already mentioned it briefly already as we read through the text, is that the pathway that all of us can walk on has already been paved. It's already been paved. So if it's, if it's difficult and crazy and hard for me, I'm on the wrong path. Just let me say that very plainly. Not that it should be just this easy peachy king kind of thing is my spiritual journey is I'm going down the path and I'm trying to move from the verge and I'm trying to move from growing to close to Christ and Christ centers. I'm trying to do those things. There's going to be challenges, but I have to understand that if I'm on the right path, God already through Jesus paved the path for me. He already made it possible. Matter of fact, it says in the scripture, he already possessed it for me. Jesus already possesses then what I need. Jesus already has Everything that I need to be successful on this journey, I can find in a relationship in Christ. I mean, that's like, what? Yeah, everything I need, I can find in this relationship through Christ. And so Paul, what he's saying, he said, hey, here's the deal. I haven't gotten there yet. I'm still trying to figure it out. I know that I've got to give effort, but I'm realizing also that Jesus has already paved the way for me through the cross. He already rose from the dead. He's sitting at the right hand of the Father. He's made a way. He's empowering my life. He's giving me everything that I need to make it happen. And so all of that's taking place. And so here's what I need to do then. I need to avoid getting stuck. I need to avoid getting stalled out, stale, stagnant, and all these things. And for some of us, it means, here's what it means, because this is in the text, I need to avoid allowing my past to control my future. I need to allow what Christ has done and what he's already paid forward for me to become the point of my focus and not all the failures and the junk that I've had happen over the last year, five years, 20 years, 60 years, 70 years. Hang on here, I'm having technical problems. There we go. I was getting choked there as I got... I got the cord wrapped around my neck. And that's what happens. And so 
We have to understand that that's what needs to take place. I, I need to allow that to happen. And the past can very easily interfere with this pathway that Christ already set for me. So, huge idea. So, here's the question. How do I move forward on this new destination? We're still asking that question. How do we do that? How do I possess, as it says, that perfection that's in the text? And perfection, by the way, means to bring about completion or to bring about a finish or to fulfill a relay, a race or accomplish a goal. I mean, that's, that's what that means. It isn't that I'm going to become perfect, but I'm going to accomplish what God planned for me to be. I'm going to move on this journey to where God wants me to end up, my destination. Is, is going to be set, I'm going to find that, all right? That's what he's talking about. Now, there's this small phrase, and this is what jumped out at me as we're, what we're going to talk about today. There is a small phrase in our text today that I, that I just want to highlight, and here's what it says. It says, no, dear brothers and sisters. No, dear brothers and sisters. And you're like, what? What's that got to do with anything? And here's, here's my thought. What that represents is very important how we move forward. What that little phrase represents is very important to how we move forward to a new destination on our spiritual journey. And here's why. Because our moving forward happens in the context of spiritual friendships and relationships. So smack dab in the middle of all these things that Paul is talking about, about pressing on and giving effort and pathway being possessed already, and all these things, he's got this one little phrase, no, brothers and sisters, in the context of spiritual relationship, you will find movement. It's a huge thought. And so, so it happens, in that, and here's why, because God created us and he built into each one of us a desire, a design for relationship. We're all created for community. Let me throw out a couple verses here. Romans 12, 5 says, we are many parts of one body, and we all belong to each other. There's something happening there. Genesis 2, 18 usually refers to marriage in the sense of a man and a woman being married together in relationship, but it also applies to the design that God has for humanity to be together in relationship. All right? It has that idea. So maybe the biggest reason why we don't move forward on the journey is we don't pursue spiritual friendships. We don't give it any time. We don't give it any effort. We don't realize how valuable it is. We don't know that. And so we neglect the very thing that was intended to help us move. We, we miss that. Now, let me ask another question. Why don't we pursue spiritual friendships? I mean, why don't we? I mean, why is it that... It gets neglected. I mean, if, it's, if God created me that way, if he designed me that way, if that's the way I'm shaped, I'm molded, I'm made to be, why is it so difficult at times? Or why do I neglect it so much? What in the world is going on? I mean, if that's true, I mean, why don't we? What's the problem? What's the issue? And I think there's all kinds of reasons. I really do. But I think the most important ones, and these are just thoughts from my own thinking and just writing down some things, is I think there's three big ones. And here, let me just throw them out for you. Number one is we think we can fulfill God's design, design by ourselves. We think somehow, some way, we don't need anybody else. We can do it ourselves. I'm guilty. I've thought that once or twice or a thousand times, right? I mean, I, I've been there. I mean, I know that. I mean, this is my own heart being revealed to you. And, and really, life is meant to be shared. God never intended for our spiritual journey to be a private one. Never did. And some of us, we mistakenly think that it's a solo event. It's not a solo event. It's a 
together event. It's a shared event. It's a community event. It's me and you event. It's, that's what it is. And so anything other than that, I'm wrong. So we think that somehow we can fulfill God's design or his purpose by ourselves. Another thought is, and I, I, I know all these because I do these. I'm, I'm really good at these, by the way. Is we reactively choose isolation. We reactively choose isolation. Now, don't raise your hand, but if you would nod your head viciously to say you totally understand what I'm saying, that would be good. All right, everybody in the room. Okay. So, so and, and what that means is this, is, and, and, and just my own heart thrown out here is we don't trust people. So I isolate. And I don't, I don't know if you got my best intentions in mind. So I'm going to isolate. I don't, know, I don't know if you can really help me, so I isolate. I don't, I don't know if that can happen. And so we begin to think wrongly that exposure to people will negatively affect us all the time. Every person's going to negatively affect me. Now, there's some people that will. But, I mean, we think that. Or, or here's, here's another part of this. Relationships are just an inconvenience. It's just something i got to spend time doing. I don't want to do that. And so I'd rather isolate. Or, or, and, and so if, I, if that's the case, relationships are an inconvenience. It's, it's, I'm so into me, I don't have time for you. Ouch. Or, or here's another one is we're ashamed of who we are. I feel so ugly on the inside. It's, it's not as painful if I hide. I mean, I isolate because really what's going on is I'm hurting. And sometimes when I get around you and it kind of seems like you got it together or, or maybe something's happening in your life that shows me how bad my life is, it just hurts again, so I don't want to do that. And really what I'm doing then is I'm not dealing with anything. I'm not dealing with the issue of my heart. I'm isolating myself from the very thing that might be the answer to actually getting me to move forward. No, brothers and sisters, in the context of relationships. And so I have to ask myself, okay, what's going on? Am I, am I reactively choosing isolation? You know, do I have this insecurity? And, and if people find out who I really am, they won't like me, and so I'm just going to back away. I'm sitting here today. I'm in the room right now, but I'm isolated. I, I, I'm in the crowd of people. I'm, I, I'm talking, you know. And by the way, I was thinking about this whole thing, is we are in an age where we have a 1,000 acquaintances and maybe one friend. We have all kinds of relationships that are acquaintances, but very few that really matter. Third thing that I think, and this is what I think gets in the way why we don't do this, is we prefer to act independently. This one has a little bit of rebellion in it. You know, it isn't that I'm just going to do it myself. It's that I don't need you. Matter of fact, I am an army of one. I can handle this myself. And really what happens, the idea to be dependent or to be accountable or to be vulnerable is not seen as a character trait that's godly. It's seen as a character trait that's weak. And so I'm not going to be dependent. And you can sense that rebellion. I'm not going to be accountable. I'm not going to be vulnerable because that's weak. You know, I mean, I grew up in kind of a, an old school German home, and, you know, you, you, tears were not part of the picture, you know? You didn't cry. You didn't let your emotions, you didn't let anybody know that maybe you're struggling with anything. Yeah, that could be part of the problem. 
And so many times people neglect the spiritual relationships because they don't want anybody to tell them what to do. And so we move on the journey of faith when we make ourselves accountable to others. I'm dependent on you. As much as I hate to admit it, I need you. As much as I hate to want to do this, I have to let you know that I'm struggling here. This is the vulnerable area of my life. This is what's going on inside of me, and I've got to let you know. That's, that's what that is. So, so what's the value? What's the value of spiritual friendships? Another question. We all need them, but why? We, we all need them. What's, what's the point? If, if it's important and this is I neglect them and I need them, I mean, there's this wrestling match that's going on. No brothers and sisters in the context of a spiritual relationship. Why or what's the value? Uh, just a few, few thoughts here. We all need someone who can stir up the right passions in us. There's something in you that's worth stirring up. We just need somebody to help stir it. We all have something in us, and it's, and, it, and it's this passion that God stirs in us and wants us to be stirred up. And many times the people around us are the people that stir that up. Hey, you, you have a gift in this area. You, you should run with that. And we encourage people to become what God created them to be, passionately. We need people in our lives like that because it's easy to get off course. And we all need someone to help point our point our desires in the right direction. Instead of into the ditch or into destruction, we need them to help us point them in the right direction. Hebrews 3 says, See to it, brothers, again, in the context of relationship, that none of you have a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. But, listen to the relationship, friendship side, but encourage one another daily so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. In other words, that you would not be led away by passions gone gone wrong. That you would not be led away by the things that control you and lead you into dark, desperate places. That you would have somebody with you that says, hey, that's not whether we should let this passion go. Let's let it go here. And they help you. Second thing, what's the value of my spiritual friendships is we all need someone who can share the load of my pain. Share the load of my pain. I don't know if you have or not, or have yet or not, but at some point, I'm not trying to be a doomsday talker here, at some point in all of our lives, we're going to face a difficult stretch. At some point. Likelihood is pretty high. Matter of fact, it's probably right up around 100%. That all of us are going to experience a difficult time. Maybe it's, maybe it's a choice that I didn't have help with and a passion that got out of control. Maybe it's a physical thing that's happening to me. Maybe it's just life happened and I got caught in the, in the drive-by of it. And it just happens, and, I, and I, I'm there, and I'm in the midst of all the junk of life, and I find myself, and if I'm isolated, and I'm independent, I'm doing it by myself, boy, do I feel desperately in trouble. But see, the value of the friendship is that someone can be there to share the load of the pain. That somebody can actually be there that when I'm hurting, when I'm struggling, when I'm going through something, I've got somebody that can carry some of the load. Maybe not all the load, 
Maybe just enough to make it feel like I'm not by myself. That I need somebody like that. I I need somebody because at some point we're all going to go through that trying time and we need the support of others to make it through. And see, some of you, I can tell the, the moment in the service right now that we feel that. We know that. We know that to be true. And so I have to understand the value of what I'm talking about answers that desperate question that many of us face. And I need to address it before I get there, not when I'm there. Lord, help me to deal with this. So it says in the text of Matthew, it says, for Jesus speaking, for where two or three gather as my followers, or another version says, in my name, I am there among them. I am, what's that mean? It means this. When you, me, and Jesus are dealing with life struggles, everything's possible. See, when you and me and Jesus are dealing with life struggles, it has a possibility of working out. But if it's just me, boy, I might feel like giving up. If it's just me all by myself and there's nobody there with me, there's no relationship, there's no connection, there's nothing there, I might say, forget it, the pain is too much, I'm checking out. I don't mean checking out. I'm talking like suicide. Was that Sometimes that's what people do, which is a terrible answer. I'm talking about I just remove myself even more. I, I, I said I, I go more independent. I go more to myself. And, I, and really what I'm doing is I'm filling it up even more. I'm filling up this not moving forward idea even more. So another one that we need, what's the value? Is it? We need someone who can help us sort out our priorities. Sort out our priorities. See, making decisions in life can be hard. And by yourself, they can be crazy hard. And so if I can somehow get people around me to help me make great decisions and to pick between good and best, I might move forward. A lot of us, we don't have that. We're, we're trying to make the big decisions in life. We're trying to do all these things, and we don't have anybody to help us sort through the priorities to try to figure out what's what, what's right, what's great, what's good, what honors God. What is that? We can't seem to figure that out sometimes because we don't have someone to help us sort through the priorities. Proverbs 15 says, plans go wrong for lack of advice. Many advisors bring success. I got friends that are investing in me. I got people that are helping me make those priority decisions in life that are spiritually involved in my life. So let me try to wrap this up. Great advice to help us move. Great advice to help us move. Kind of the challenge for us today. Galatians, right? Paul speaking to another group of people in Galatians. <laughs> Listen to what he starts off with. Dear brothers and sisters. Wow, what, a, what, a, what an idea. In the context of relationship, right? In the context of relationship. Dear brothers and sisters, if another believer is overcome by sin, you know, has lost his way with passions, has lost his way with pain, has lost his way with priorities, is in that mess, right? It says, if another believer is overcome by sin, you who are godly should gently and humbly, that's important to understand, that it's it's out of a spirit of grace and mercy and expectancy for you to move forward on a journey, not just to point out how wrong you are, okay? You who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back on the right path. And be careful, 
not to fall into the same temptation yourself. Share each other's burdens, and in this way you obey the law of Christ. What is the law of Christ? Real quickly, it's the law of love. It's the law of love. That I love the Lord God with all my heart, and I love my neighbor as myself. That's, that's this law of Christ, that it flows from love as a response to his. So, what's that mean? What's that mean? How do I do this? I mean, what's the, the thing that I need to do? Number one is I need to seek out a spiritual, I, I need to seek out spiritual friends to walk with me on the journey. I need to seek out a spiritual friend to walk with me on the journey. Whether it be one-on-one or whether it be in groups. That's why we push groups so much here at Southridge. See, we all need a, friend, a spiritual friend in our lives who will tell me the truth if I'm on the wrong path. We all need that. We all need somebody that says no. <laughs> it's that simple. We all need somebody that can speak into our lives and speak to our lives and accurately know exactly where we're at. We need somebody like that. So I need to seek out that spiritual friendship. I need to look for that. Someone I can trust that's humble and gentle. Someone who can relate with me. In other words, they kind of know where I'm at. They either know about me or they've been there or they can connect. They're somewhere in that spiritual idea and world that goes, I get it. And I relate with you. Someone, here's an important part, who is willing to get down and dirty in the midst of my situation to help me out of the junk. There's not a lot of people that do that, but I need somebody like that. I need to look for that person. I need to seek them out because that's what happens. Proverbs 27, 17 says, iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. The question is, do you have a close friend you can talk to about spiritual issues regularly? Regularly. Do you have that? That's the question. Do you have that? That's the challenge. Lord, do I have that in my life? Is that part of where I'm at? Because maybe I'm not moving forward on this journey because I don't have that spiritual friend. I don't have that spiritual relationship. I'm not in a group. I don't have that one-on-one person that can say, hey, let's don't do that. Or let's do this. Second one is I need to avoid then spiritual friendships that could cause me to stumble on my journey that could cause you to stumble on your journey. See, if we're going to move forward on the journey of becoming fully devoted followers of Christ, we have to evaluate, listen to this closely, the people we run with. Because, Corinthians 15, bad company corrupts good character, meaning not all relationships are beneficial to the journey. I have to ask myself, is this relationship helping me to move forward as a follower of Christ, or is it hurting me? Have I fallen to the same temptation? Have I fallen into that? I have to ask myself that because this is critical to me moving. Third one, as the worship team comes, and this one's huge. They're all huge, actually, is that I need to engage great advice. I need to engage in spiritual conversations with those who are struggling on the journey. I need to engage in spiritual conversations You need to be the someone. Be the someone who shares your spiritual journey with somebody that's struggling on the journey. That's part of it. Sharing with a person who is unaware of God's goodness and mercy. And there's two things that happen when I have spiritual conversation with people who are not in relationship. Number one is this. 
Every time I've ever had a conversation with somebody that was outside of faith in Christ, it challenged me to grow. Matter of fact, I love engaging people that are exploring the idea of Christ. You know why I do that? Because it makes me grow. It's selfish. But at the same time, the second part of that, and here's the other side of that, is it opens the door for them to find truth and life. So I need spiritual conversations. I need to have, I need to be a spiritual friend just as much as I need a spiritual friend. I, I need that. I, I, God, help me to see this. Help me to understand it. And so the question then is, do you have a spirit, meaningful spiritual conversation consistently with those who have yet discovered God's love? Do you have those? Because if you don't, that might be part of the reason why you're not growing. That might be part of the reason why you're not moving forward on the journey, why you haven't moved from that. It's still just kind of growing, and it hasn't become personal daily yet or surrendered because you don't have the conversations. Let me close. Let me ask three questions. Number one, is your arrogance setting you up for a fall? If so, ask God to forgive you. Lord, forgive me for my arrogance because I'm not there yet. Number two, are you giving real effort to your journey? You're just, are you just sliding through? Are you just going through the motions? Are you just doing enough to get by? If so, say, Lord, I'm making a fresh commitment to go after you with everything I have. That's me. And the last one, maybe the most important one, is have you embraced the work of Christ as your personal pathway? Maybe today you're here, you've been on the verge for a long time, but you've never embraced this idea that Jesus died personally for you to pay the price for you. Not somebody else, not some far-off story, but for you. Today might be the day you say, you know what, I need to cross that line. That's why I haven't moved anywhere. I've been on the verge, verge, the verge, the verge. I've been wrestling and wrestling, but I've never come to that point where I just trust him and allow what he did on the cross to set the path for my life. I need that. Heads bowed, eyes closed. How many of you have just hands raised? You say, you know what? I've been wrestling with my own form of arrogance, and I realize that's sin in my own life right now, and I need to repent. That's you. I'm going to start right there. Amen. Amen. We'll pray in just a moment. How many of you say, you know what? I haven't been given the effort, and so I've been going nowhere, and that's me. That's, that's where I'm at. Raise your hand. How many of the last group that say, you know what? I've never embraced fully the work of the cross for my life personally, that he died for me. I've been on the verge, and I'm ready to cross the line of faith and trust him and make a decision right now to accept everything that Jesus has done and walk on the path that he set for me. That's me. Raise your hand. Yeah, yeah. Lord, I pray. For every person that raised their hands today, Lord, whether it be repentance, Lord, we repent. We say, God, may we turn away from the arrogance and turn towards humility. Lord, for those that raised their hand because they said, Lord, I haven't been given the effort that, God, I would make a decision in my heart today to follow hard after you with the best of my ability. And last but not least, Lord, those that raised their hand and said, Lord, I, I want you to come into my life and forgive me and give me a new start and Lord, as I step across the line of faith, that God, you would do something in me that dramatically changes who I am, that I might be able to move forward with you. Have your way in my life. In Jesus' name.